Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So we skipped talking about Domingo Herman's perfect game, which we should, which we should talk about, not skip. Um, the part of the reason that we skipped it is because <laughs> athletics. I mean, I not- yeah, I don't know. It really for the amount of the amount of fanfare. There is a typical amount of fanfare in the MLB ESPN world. Mm-hmm. There's not the typical amount of fanfare in the um, fantasy world. No, I mean. It- I mean, it's good, but but everybody knows start literally anyone against the Oakland Athletics, right? <laughs> yeah, not a lot of analysis after that, for sure. Um, it was it wasn't surprising, but surprising, and this is where we got into this because you're chafing at the fact that I didn't include <laughs> the Herman Perfect game is Detroit Tigers threw a uh, no hitter. Yeah, combined no hitter, right? Combined no hitter against against the Blue Jays, which is more surprising because. We've talked about the Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, that's good. a good lineup. <laughs> There's a lot of guys in that lineup who should get a hit. And we've talked about the Tigers, who are bad. You know what? But every time we say that, they it's like they grow a little bit. Their heart grows a little bit in size, and they get a little bit <laughs> better. Like each time, I want to count them out, and it's like, well, actually, they're not as bad as we say. But I mean, the pitchers: Matt Manning, Jason Foley, Alex Lang. Come on. I had just been looking at Matt Manning. I mean, of those three, obviously, Matt Manning is the most interesting. But, I mean, I, w- I would love to know Matt Manning's owned ratio, owned numbers right now. <laughs> we want to take a look at that. I bet it's more today than it was yesterday. I bet it is. I mean, Domingo Herman is, actu- is actually owned. Matt Manning. I mean, but looking at the last, the last year of... 23% owned. There you go. There you go. 25 years old, 6'6", 195. Going for a Chris Sale type body here. <laughs> so there were there were only four last year. There's two been two this year. No hitters, that is. So yeah. might expect might expect another one or two. Does that does that count? A full game no hitter? I mean a a, a, a multi pitcher? Well, according to uh, Wikipedia, it gets entered in the list of major league baseball no hitters. So you tell me. I don't count it. So, okay, by that logic, then last year there was one no-hitter. Who was that? Reed Detmers. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's also it's also the All-Star break. Are there any aspects of the All-Star break that you're looking forward to? Oh, just getting a second to calm down because I, I, need, I need me, my team. Zzz. Yeah, we need a second to just breathe. We both Here do. So let's, let's just... Segue directly into that. I mean, TGFBI, I continue to be in free fall, <laughs> unbelievably, at 158 down from 137. You're at 241 up from 282. So good job there. Good. Yeah, getting up. Again, I, I, a couple of days ago, I was even higher, but then um, yeah, fell back to earth a bit. Yeah, so what categories are you really behind in? Well, I saves. Um, 
because because mm, I had Mo- yeah. I had I had Munoz was going to be the Seattle closer was going to be one of my big saves guys, oh, and then he spent most of the season on the DL or the IL, and when he came back, they were like, well, actually, Seawold's been pitching pretty well. So I like Seawold. I knew that he no. was going to be. I, he got grabbed in um, the two leagues that I'm in. He got grabbed right before I was going to take him. I was like, this is Seawold time. Well, no, I mean, I I understand what you're saying, but but Munoz throws has the has the archetypical closer profile right he throws incredibly hard oh he will i mean sewell it sewell is a hundred percent opportunity he is he <laughs> is not a long-term closer he's the guy that just has got the opportunity with the team they've it's it's when you're bowling and you hit a you get a strike you get another strike it's like just keep on doing the same thing don't change it up i don't care what it was do the exact same thing every single time that's what the mariners are that's the position that they're in he's just good enough to be able to like string something together like this but if if the team was if the team was really going to win a world series Sewell would be a setup man 100% agree with that i agree i so i mean the, the big problem i only have 13 saves <laughs> right now so there is something to be said but but i'm tilted in the wrong direction because i have i'm basically in the top 20 in wins and the bottom 20 in saves so Mm. that tells you that my pitching construction was actually off a little bit 25 25 saves see i mean and but but like that save deficit will i get to 25 over the course of the season not unless i really 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 go for it (laughs) Yeah, because I, um, I think <laughs> I did not drop Adam, uh, Jason Adam, in this league. While I did in another yeah. league, um, so he, yeah, he's getting he's he's getting some saves. Him and Kenley Jensen, not exactly. Neither of them are lights out, but I think that the combination of them is helpful to be able to get some saves over the season. I think I think what I'm going to have to do is probably next week coming out of the All-Star break I need to do run the TGFBI analyzer and just see where see where I'm at see where we're both at honestly in the yeah. distributions and then we can make some some real strategy about where we want to go. So this week we're going to actually check some predictions relatively short time window here uh, but we're going to look at the win-loss predictor that we built a couple weeks ago see where maybe we can improve it a little bit. And then I'll talk about a couple of possible extensions that are going to make it maybe more fantasy relevant. Okay, I like it. So two weeks ago, we discussed some early work on making predictions for wins and losses on a per-game basis. That was two weeks ago, right? I'm going to stop you there. It feels like years ago. <laughs> it does feel like years ago, but I was looking at I was looking at the date that I was working on this. Like It was definitely two weeks ago. Unbelievable. Oh. Uh, very quickly, it was about smoothing over 10-game windows to get a rolling run differential. So basically, the cumulative run differential is useful, but actually we really want to know how guys are doing in individual, how teams are doing in individual pockets of 10 games. And then uh, we're actually thinking, well, the most important thing is actually your run differential, your opponent's run differential. <laughs> Sorry. The most important thing is actually your run differential versus your opponent's run differential and how they're doing relative to each other there. So what this entails is basically computing the rolling run differential for uh, for your team or the team that you're interested in and the rolling run differential for the team that they're playing against. Then what we did is look take, took a look at that and took a look at the outcomes and said what games are they actually winning in this and what are the percentages here. 
And then we tried to invert that and basically use it going forward to make predictions for how the teams are doing relative to each other. Any other reminders? Anything else we need for ground rules before we get going? Um, no, I think that the big thing to remember is that this was, when we talked about this last time, it was really a team, team. It's a team. Like, like focus, this is team. And then the context was we were talking about, could we figure something out that would help us in terms of like, Getting a little bit of an edge on on calling wins from the um, from the waiver wire, and I think that was good reminder that and and I think one of, one of your perfect examples was when we did that we went through some games from that day and it was the Twins were facing Atlanta, Atlanta. and yep. you said, "Ooh, today's maybe not the day to start Joe Ryan, right?" <laughs> you know, it was great. That day I faced someone starting Joe Ryan, and he did not do well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all unfortunately, those games served as a perfect test bed <laughs> for how things were going. Yeah. So two weeks is almost long enough to ask whether our scheme is really working, so let's take a look at what the data says. Um, here, I got you. I made I made this figure from the last two weeks of game data. Hmm, the just win, last two weeks. Just last two weeks. Win probability versus the run differential delta. So I, again... For all the games that happened in the past two weeks, I put teams in bins relative to you know what their run differential relative to their opponents is, and then looked at what fraction of it was won. Showed you showing you the same line that we were using to uh, fit this data in the first place, and it's pretty good, actually. What's amazing to me is the flip of the teams around zero. If those two were switched. So if you were at run yep. differential, differential, run differential, delta of like negative, what's that? A quarter, quarter of a run? Yeah. yeah. Negative a quarter of a run, your win probability is actually higher than if your run differ, differential, differential is a quarter above zero. At least, at least for right now. I mean, but it kind of makes sense, right? Because if you, if you try to articulate in words what we're seeing here, it's saying that... Those teams in that quarter bin, on average, over the last 10 games, they've been outscoring their opponents by a quarter of a run. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not a whole run. If you, that's, if you, that's, that's not right. enough to win by. That's right. So you're, you're talking about just, just a lot of toss-ups here versus when you get out to something like teams that have, on average, been outscoring their opponents by four runs, four. you've mm-hmm. risen to 70% win rate. Right, so if you bend this a little bit differently those would disappear yeah because right? they would just be at one central point there'd be one central point that would be right at zero yeah that's telling you you know these are these are really 50 50 this is these guys this is p hacking dude <laughs> come on get <laughs> get on the train <laughs> i am i am not we're not trying we're not trying to p hack here i mean i think in terms of actionable information you know from a from a betting perspective this is telling you those really are pure 50 50 games <laughs> it, re- it from, really means yes it really means yeah. that if you're if you're really close to zero plus or minus it doesn't matter it's sort of like it i think that i remember seeing a statistic at one point which i think has been blown out of the water at this point was that in the ncaa tournament nines had won more often than eights in yeah the first round matchup i think that's changed mm-hmm. over the last couple of seasons because that's right They've done a little bit better of seeding, but it it was like stark. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's just like, wow, these teams are really evenly matched. And and I think the the wrinkle that I really like here, the thing that I really like about this is that 10-game smoothing window. It's just so much it's better. It's good. It's and, and it's really the type of thing that you can, that we can, on some level, feel out with our guts, right? Because you can say like, oh, I looked at how they did in the past 10 games, and they've been doing really badly, or they've been doing really well, you know, and give yourself a rough number. Um, a rough numerical value for this. No, I like I like modeling like this, where the modeling isn't necessarily trying to find the coolest new algorithm. It's like modeling is a vehicle to explain the behavior that you're looking for. Yeah. So to me, this is going to work. I think. I think you know, for at least right now, this is worth producing these on a on a daily basis. So I was planning on just making you know, trying to make daily predictions uh, going forward and just seeing what we get to the end of the season. Sure. I'll give you something. I'll give, I'll give, I'll put this somewhere. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. So the, the thing that has to happen is this needs to be converted into a daily scraper, which is totally fine. Um, at the very end, I'll talk about the steps that need to need to happen there. We'll yeah, see if that's a separate repo already. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if this makes it in. We'll see if that makes it into the pod. Um, Can you scrape okay. down betting lines? I do not have a way to scrape down betting lines right now, which I really, which I would really like to do. We got to find that because I would like to see. You know, we're doing all this cool work, right? Yeah. Is it just? Could we just grab from betting lines the same information? The thing that I don't like. I mean, the thing that I don't like about the betting lines is that they have they have gut instinct information in them as well, right? Because if if we could get them basically the minute they were published that says like okay this is actually what we the the house think mm-hmm. before people come in and start hitting one side for reasons or another and then the line shifts that's the only thing no that but I that's don't... what we want but that's what i want i want to see how much it, it shifts i mean i think that what my concern is more i think most matchups don't matter but there is going to be a lot of um what is it they call them? The public teams. So the man, man Manchester yeah. United is just yeah. people are just going to put money on Manchester United, even though they're not very good. The problem Cowboys have this problem, right? Of like people just are like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to put money on the Cowboys win, yeah, right? because I like the Cowboys. Um, that's the only thing that I really have a problem with. But I'd be again, I'd just like to say I would be it would be interesting to to check that. I, I did extend this a little bit. I have one new wrinkle for you, um, which is I'm, I'm trying something new to make this more fantasy actionable, which is going to look at the run differential after five innings. The idea here being, this is probably when your starter is, is coming out. The question is, how likely is your starter to actually get the run support that they need? And so what I did here is look at the, the run differential after five innings, the run differential after nine innings, and then take the difference of those, and and basically what I'm what I think I'm building here, and this is a little bit narrative based, so we can discuss this, is asking this question of who is more likely to close out games well, who's closing out games well, i.e. they're going to protect protect wins from their pitchers, and who's just straight up not giving their starters much run support. Well, but we, so there's. Yeah, the one thing we need to be able to flag as well, because like Colorado is a great first example you've got mm-hmm. here. Because Colorado, mm-hmm. you have R diff for five, so the run differential for the first five innings is negative two point seven. Wow, Colorado Rockies starters are bad. 
<laughs> New thing. Never happened before. The R diff 9 is, so the run differential for 9 innings is negative 1.615. That means that the run differential differential is 1.095. So it's great to be able to be like, oh, hey, if, if the pitcher has the lead, then probably going to be able to protect it. But as we can see, the pitcher's probably not going to have a lead. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So this this is a tough table because you have to simultaneously analyze two columns because you want to know both, both are they actually going to win and did they do enough to help the starting pitcher? Yeah. Um, so I sorted this by the run differential differential. That is what the how much they how much the run differential changes between the fifth inning and the ninth inning. But I'm actually not convinced that that's the most useful number here um, to look at. So, so I thought we'd just discuss discuss a couple of these, see if there are any surprises. This, I think, is an actionable list for fantasy and telling you, um, you know, just on what teams might you expect the pitcher to help you out <laughs> the most. Yeah, this is really interesting. Well, Dodgers are right exactly where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, a little low this season, but I think this has been a sort of off season for them. But yeah, well, I think let's discuss these. Let's discuss all these teams in the middle, the teams that basically are 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 flat. We'll start neutral, and then we'll we'll fan out to the good okay. and the bad here. So, so I would class neutral teams here. I would say doesn't really matter for Philadelphia, for the Yankees, for the Nationals, for the Marlins, for the A's. <laughs> They're bad no matter what, which is great uh, for the Mariners and for the Orioles. Pitching, in other words, for these teams, the pitching quality is pretty consistent from five innings through nine innings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. It would just, so, I, I mean, because one way that you could look at this is basically like reliever quality as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know exactly what the dominant thing is, but this is basically saying, okay, for these teams, their starters and relievers are approximately equal. There's no real effect on the starters' odds of getting a win. Yes is my my inference here do you want to go do you want to go with teams that are more likely to protect wins or less likely to start yeah let's do more more likely to protect wins okay so more likely teams aforementioned colorado and then starting at the top here most likely from most likely to least likely to protect a win boston surprising uh san francisco cleveland the mets reds blue jays diamondbacks kansas city cubs and the dodgers um well, you say that, but I mean, yes. Though I think what you really you're really talking about the delta between the the first five your starters and your closers. Your closers from those teams are, are better, right? But like the Dodgers bullpen is the most likely to protect a lead because they have the highest RDF for nine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and they have the pitchers that are going to go. Unfortunately, that also means they have all those. Um, starts that go more than five innings yeah right no i think that's right i mean i think this is telling you that dodgers pitchers good for wins i mean okay fine we're not really we're not really blowing anyone out of the water here with this but i mean a couple surprises here uh toronto i mean these teams that go from negative to positive are interesting so toronto pretty much flat after five innings and then Toronto bullpen is good pick it up at the end yeah i mean i think that's what that's telling you yeah and Toronto actually has been interesting because they've been kind of a wins machine for their starters for more than just this season. Like yeah, I, I always more wins than you you would expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always feel that about Toronto starting pitchers. Like, wow, they got you know. I mean, as a Kevin Gaussman owner, I really like it, but it's kind of <laughs> always surprising. It's like he's got more wins than he 
kind of has any right to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's very true. And I mean, the big flip, the biggest one of the biggest flips here is Boston, who starts negative, switches to positive. I mean, yeah, it's not there's... that positive because it goes from being at yeah, negative two point oh two. So the mm-hmm. the starters are going to lose you a, a fifth of a run, and then the relievers can uh, will help preserve about a third of a run. <laughs> but to me, this says that if you believe in a Boston pitcher, that that's okay. Cool. I just picked up Nick Pavetta, so I guess I believe. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think. That that to me is how I would read this table for fantasy relevance. It's like if you like a pitcher on those teams that we just listed as positive, mm-hmm. um, then then you're in an okay place for these. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, same thing with um, San Francisco, as you just mentioned, um, Toronto, and surprisingly, Arizona. But that's why yeah. Merrill Kelly, why we exactly. have been so on fire with Merrill Kelly. Exactly. Exactly, Merrill Kelly. I mean, it helps. They've got they've got Zach Gallen too, who's been pretty world beating this year for whatever reason. Chicago, though, that bullpen, which has been a just like confusing mess. Yeah, Dave, it's been pretty. It's been pretty decent. Yeah, I know they're getting it done apparently. So I guess I mean I guess the other way to look at this would be you could oh, read Justin into this. Steel for... is just going to be a steal of a <laughs> of a bet box. We you you could also use this, I guess, as a as an indicator of bullpen strength if you wanted to go get longer relievers. I mean, I guess these teams that go from negative to positive True. are an interesting an interesting option to mine for those long relievers. Like, oh, Boston, a Boston long reliever might be a fraction more likely to get a win because they, you know, the starters put them in a little bit of a hole. Relievers are doing pretty well. Yeah, Winkowski there. might be one someone to mm-hmm. pick up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the the negative side here. All right. Teams teams that we're actually a little bit more worried about. So let's I'll start from the bottom. Teams okay. that we're the most worried about and go you're back. Not to the worried beginning. about this team. Well, one thing that's interesting about it is Atlanta. I mean, I was surprised by this. So Atlanta actually is the team that gives back the most. So that made me think: Is there some garbage time effect here? <laughs> They're not giving up. The, no, no, no. You're. I think you're reading this wrong. They still have a 1.7 run differential in the last four innings of the game. That's they're still protecting leads. They're just <laughs> they're just the problem here. You've got this delta of negative 0.844. That's why there needs to be a little bit more ranking than just mm-hmm. pure delta because you still want a 1.7 run differential mm-hmm. for your your last four innings. Same thing with Texas. Yep. And Tampa Bay. Those are all negative numbers. But I mean, I would rather have the guy who's pitching from inning six through inning nine to have um, get me two more runs. <laughs> sure. No. I. I mean. Okay. Fine. So we can we can skip those as as ones that we can explain. Teams I'm a little bit more worried about. Teams that I'm actually worried about. Milwaukee. What is going on there? They got Devin Williams. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have Josh Hader. <laughs> That's right. They don't have Josh Hader. Uh, I mean, okay, so so teams that teams that we actually might want to worry about: um, Padres, Brewers, Angels. Well, but Padres not as much. They still have a half. They're still going to get you about a half of a of run in the last yeah last four innings, so they can protect leads a bit. Same same Padres. thing is true for Astros, right? Can for protect Houston, something. Yeah. But Detroit, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's why the no hitter was so surprising. I know Detroit, White Sox, and Cardinals are down here too. 
um, and then yeah, twins yeah. rounding it out are actually doing okay. But I mean, I'm worried about I'm now I'm actually actually starting to worry about the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm yeah. I'm I'm there. The Cardinals are everything that we look at says the Cardinals are not good. Yeah. So eventually, eventually, we just actually have to believe them. Apparently, I um, we do. We do we have to. But I mean, from everything we've looked at, I would actually say now I'm like, oh, I actually really don't want a Cardinals starting pitcher. <laughs> this is not good. No, I mean, this is why Rain, Wainwright, he's going to be on the IL here, is uh-huh. not helpful this year. The other guys are not very good. And not that not that I really wanted any White Sox pitchers, but this makes me a little bit more worried about, like, Cease. Um, yeah, what's the way to say this? I think that that really hurts his value. The Cease value mm-hmm. this yeah. year is definitely down, and in the, in the long-term keeper value is maybe going to be depressed. So, hey, maybe you can grab Cease from the Cease owner in your league. That would be great if you're in a keeper league and the cease owner is like trying to um, package up. Because <laughs> I guess it is. I mean, it is true that one one thing that is correct about this is that these numbers will very much change from season to season because we're looking at a lot of stuff that's dependent on the reliever core, and the wow. reliever core changes more. Yeah, the reliever core changes a lot. Yeah, but we're talking if we're talking about wins, this is it's. One of basically four stats for a starting pitcher. So it's, yeah. it is important. You want to yeah, guess so, the number of wins that Cease has right now? Is it seven? No. No, it's not seven. It's not. He's got, is it four? <laughs> I mean, nope, not even four. I mean, I'm gonna start, is it three? Is it's it in, three. Is yeah. Oh, my word. We. I mean, oh, it is very, so listeners, bad. it is very rare <laughs> that we actually come up with an example that is perfectly correct. Yes, Dylan Cease. Sorry, Dylan Cease. He's also got a 4.3 ERA and a 1.34 WHIP, so this has not been his year. 123Ks, that's good. But I, this is a this is also the kind of thing that happens to a starting pitcher who doesn't have the bullpen behind him. This is what yeah. happened to Aaron Nola a yeah. couple of times. Where it was like he'd leave a game after seven innings that they should have won, and they lose yeah. it. And then yep. that pitcher then tries to do more. That's right. To their own detriment. I think that about brings us to the review session. Josh Naylor. This feels like an appropriate time to talk about Josh Naylor. I think you know, just like in the context of where we're at in the season, and and where we're sure. at in review sessions. Sure. Um, Josh Naylor. So he's he's this is his age twenty six season. He's on the Guardians. He played for the Padres before. Which did I did I did remember not that? Know that. <laughs> did I remember that? Okay. Um, but starting in twenty nineteen, actually, so a long time ago, at this point. Uh, his season stats to date, he's played in 79 games in that he's got 33 runs. He's got 64 RBIs, 11 home mm-hmm. runs, five stolen bases and a 305 average. Two of these numbers are highlighted on StatCast, the RBIs and the averages being in the top 10 of the MLB this year. And wow. this is a guy that if you could ride his, if you can ride his hot streaks has been incredibly valuable in fantasy actually. Oh my god, he's incredibly annoying down. That's why I put in the big caveat: if you can ride his hot streaks, he's very valuable. He's been he, it's, so many of his stats have been on my bench. Yeah, because it'll be three days and nothing, and then it's like, I, I, okay, I gotta put some guy who might get a stolen base. And, oh, he got hit a home run, three RBI game. Great, three hundred five average. I that's the to me that's the number that's the most surprising. The RBIs. As we'll talk about, I mean, so he's been, he's been batting cleanup basically every single game. So the RBIs are kind of like 
okay, <laughs> you should you should be having this yeah this no, it's, RBI run yeah. split, but three oh five average. Where'd that come from? Well, what is his his? Um, I assume his BABIP is through the roof. His expected batting average last year was actually. Um, Oh no, no! It's just this year's. It's he's a little bit high. Okay, let's see. It was his babip this year is three thirty three, so that's that's going to come down. Yeah, I mean he's his a two sixty five career, yeah. but that's weighted mm. by this year and his uh, freshman year, both above three hundred, two sixty eight last year. So if he comes down thirty batting average points, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's kind of interesting because his career, I mean, he's a career two sixty five hitter. But I mean, we're well past the halfway point. He's already baked in a 305. So let's say he drops to 280, 280. Worst case scenario. I mean, that's kind of a. I would say that's kind of a worst case scenario for him at this point. The thing that I maybe am a little bit more worried about is just how many games he can actually play. He's never played more than 122. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, he's 26 years old. So I mean, that's a correct ramp up. I don't. I think don't, that it's. I don't. Is think this it's a ramp up? 162. No, 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 no. Is this you know, a ramp up? So year, he's. Last year he got to 122. The year before he was 69. The year before that he was 40. Um, his freshman year he got 94 games, but that was sort of in a, a terrible Padres team. Yeah, I think. And then 2020 was, of course, pandemic year. So, I, yeah, I mean, he's going to get 145, 150 games this year. Is that our guess? Well, I don't think he can hit 150 at this point. I think 145 is probably a good number. Because they've they've played ninety one right, and he's only appeared in seventy nine. Yeah, okay, so one forty seven. It's just well, I mean, what? Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Okay, that's why I was saying one forty five to one fifty is seems seems about right. But yeah, so I guess if you can't hit one fifty, that's. But I guess my point is that we're talking about first baseman this year, and the fact that he is raking in the RBIs at the first base position. This is kind of what you wanted from. That's what you're baseman. expecting. <laughs> That's what your first baseman should do. And that we're talking about him so late in the season, so late in these, relatively late in the review sessions, suggests to me that, you know, this, for a T, from a TGFBI perspective, this is great. Because <laughs> oh, if yeah, you have him starting TGFBI. every day. Yeah. Yeah. He would be starting every day. It wouldn't, you wouldn't care about the, the cooled, the cool down weeks, especially for, on a uh-huh. week basis. It's like, just put him in there, whatever. But on a daily basis, you're like, ooh, is this the best guy? <laughs> I know and and it took I mean it took the it it took the Guardians a little while to find their footing this year. They seem to have well they've passed the Twins in the standings. <laughs> so they seem they seem to be doing a little bit better and I think to some extent a rising tide lifts all boats for them and yep. we might expect that we might expect Josh Naylor actually to have a better I would expect Josh Naylor to have a better second half than first half on balance. Could could he might. Yeah, well, it'll be different. I think it's going to be different. I think he's going to have more home runs. I think he's going to continue the RBI pace. Might end up getting a couple more runs if that team, hey, that team could trade for someone. I mean, but but the first four, you'd like a better leadoff hitter, right? So their lineup is currently Steven Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez. So, and then, you know, falls off a cliff after that. But you're talking about... Or Josh Bell, our buddy Josh Bell, who's aforementioned... I mean, hey, remember we talked about Josh Bell and we said we'd rather have Josh Naylor and pfft, yes. Well, you'd so clearly rather have Josh Naylor than Josh Bell at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of a no contest thing. I think if Jose Ramirez finds his finds his stat line again 
And it's true if they could trade for somebody that's better than Stephen Kwan or Ahmed Rosario at the top, that would actually be a meaningful <laughs> a meaningful thing for Josh Naylor. Well, I mean, if we had real if he had real protection in the number five, that would be that would be amazing. Well, I think they, that's they, what he, he really wants. They really thought they were going to get it with Josh Bell, and Josh Bell's just I, not getting it done. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I like I like the fact that they've that they've been very consistent with their team, right? If you look through, mm-hmm. you look through their game logs. Score is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's basically they have for the most part, except for days off for mostly Stephen Kwan. Um, it looks like they have settled into a lineup that they really like. Ahmed Rosario, yeah, there's a couple of days here with Gabriel Arias. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like Ahmed Rosario. I can't quite figure it out. So Ahmed Rosario, if he was better, that would be. I mean, if he if he picked it up to the level that we maybe want him to for fantasy. But Stephen Kwan, I don't find Stephen Kwan to be a compelling leadoff guy. No, no, he seems like a placeholder. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I think Who they would I, be. I think they hoped that Miles there? Straw would actually pick it up, right, and be yeah, absolutely that. Yes, I I had the same thought. Yes, the, what they really want is Miles Straw to take that position away. Not gonna happen. <laughs> not gonna happen um let's see who'd be a good lead off christian yelich i uh, that'd be super fun but like they're gonna get him um bring jonathan india up trade for him bring him up from cincinnati i i mean as as we discussed last week i don't know what cincinnati's doing um other than like just trying to make money for the rest of the year <laughs> yeah kettle Marte. no that team is actually pretty good yeah Lane Thomas, maybe. Lane Thomas. Not really a, really a leadoff, but would be better than... Uh, yeah, I mean, the only reason Lane Thomas is leading off for, for the Nationals is because he's the best player on that team. <laughs> or the best hitter on that team right now. I don't know. Maybe just keep on hoping that Stephen Kwan fills this hole. But you, you mean you could you could easily add somebody else, right? Because like the rotating roster of guys that they have batting six through nine is like, oof, this is not a good, <laughs> this is not yeah. a good team. Oh yeah. They need, they need one more bat. Who's good. I mean, a bunch of these Someone. guys are here. Are like a bunch of these guys are like, who are these guys? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. What? Like who, who's, who's Will Brennan? I mean, who's, <laughs> who's David Fry? Gabriel. These are Arias? the guys that are beating your team. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but Minnesota is not like, that much better because you just know their names because they're your guys. Because I watch them, yeah, I know. But like, no, 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 you I watch mean, it over that. Willie Castro. I've had the Willie Castro, Kyle Farmer. Um, oh, I know. There's, there's another one in here that I, I just keep on. Donovan Solano. I just, you have them, then they're good, and then they're not. The top-ranked prospects, the Alex Kirilovs, can't quite keep it going. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm, I mean... I totally hear what you're saying about the twins, and I I agree that that's you know I'm looking at the twins through rose-colored glasses here. Um, but I mean, getting back to what actually matters here in terms of what Josh Naylor needs, they just need to they need another piece for Josh Naylor to really hit the next yep. gear. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. He needs to just be on a slightly better team, and then he'd be a top twenty guy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think next year, if we were to do first base reviews next year, we'd be talking about him earlier. He's definitely past guys that we've talked about. Oh, for sure. Yeah, where where would he be? What do you think? What do you think? Where do you think he's going to get drafted next year? In That's terms of a first baseman. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think he's on the cusp of being. 
a lot depends on the second half. I would say he's on the cusp of actually being a starter in the terms of like a 12 team, like a 12 team league. I think he's on the cusp of being like, okay, maybe I could make it happen with Josh Naylor. <laughs> so I'd say he's, I, I would say he's like 15th first baseman off the board next year. I'm not going crazy and like putting him in the top 10 or anything. He's number nine right now. Yeah. I would say he's number 12 off the board. I think number 12, number 12 yeah. off the board. Okay. You want to over under it on? I'll take the I'll take the over because I think and half. I'm gonna say, sure. Uh, that's a all right. Fine. Thirteen sure. and a half. If he's thirteen or below, I get him. Yeah. All right. First base eligible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to we'll argue on that. Yeah, I, like, I mean this is a good bet box because it leaves us a lot of room to argue. <laughs> all right. Who are we doing next week? We're gonna talk about Alec Baum. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.